we have a crisis in the world, tremendous crisis, and also crisis in our consciousness, in us. I see the urgency of change, radical revolution, mutation in the mind. I see it. It is necessary. There is complete quietness of the mind, and that which is silent has vast space. Only then that which is nameless comes into being. This is Urgency of Change, the Krishnamurti podcast. If a question is left in the air, it is like a rosebud that gradually unfolds to show its nature and depth. It has its own vitality, energy and drive. That is a dialogue, not just accepting or rejecting what the other is saying. Hello and welcome to episode 111 of Urgency of Change. Season 3 of the Krishnamurti podcast continues with the format of carefully chosen extracts from the philosopher's talks. Each weekly episode focuses on a theme explored by Krishnamurti, and the aim is to represent his different approaches to these universal topics. This week's theme is Dialogue. Upcoming themes are Energy, Mutation and Dependence. This is a podcast from Krishnamurti Foundation Trust. Please visit our official YouTube channels for hundreds of advert-free video and audio recordings of Krishnamurti's talks and clips. You can also find our daily quotes and videos on Instagram and Facebook at Krishnamurti Foundation Trust. If you enjoy the podcast, please leave a review on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, which helps our visibility. This week's theme on dialogue has five sections. The first extract is from the first discussion in Sanan 1976, titled, What Does a Dialogue Imply? I think there is a difference between dialectical questioning and dialogue. Dialectical questioning or investigation implies, according to the dictionary, to find the truth through opinions. That is the literal meaning of dialectical approach. Whereas dialogues are between two friends who know each other fairly well, know their vocabulary, the usage of words, and together, with a spirit of real inquiry, find truth by inquiry, not by asserting opinions. So it's up to you to choose what you want, either through opinions, to investigate what, if there is truth, which I question very much, 
because opinions imply prejudices, personal idiosyncrasies, and so on, whereas dialogue implies that both of us are deeply interested in a problem, we are not prejudiced, we don't want a certain definite answer, but together we are investigating to find the truth to the pro- of the problem. You see the difference. One is dialectical approach, the other is approach to truth through careful, non-personal investigation, objective investigation. That means we both of us start with no opinions, no conclusions, no assertions, but together as two friends, and I mean by friends, who are really concerned with a problem, to investigate it together by sharing it and thereby perhaps coming upon what is true. Right? So if that is clear, during all these dialogues that we are going to have, which is not asserting opinions or prejudices or conclusions, I believe that's a conclusion. Whereas if we are investigating, we are both open and we can go very far if we both are free to look objectively into things. The second extract is from the third discussion in Sanan, 1979, titled Good Relationship in Dialogue. We are having a dialogue. There is a conversation between two people, friendly, serious, and wanting to solve their own intimate, personal problems. And so they talk, they go for a walk in the woods and talk over things together. And we are in that position, you and I, the speaker and you. We're out for a walk, lovely stream, Marvelous pine woods, full of morning scent, and we are talking over together. And each one of us know that words have particular definite meaning, that each one of us understands the meaning. Of the, of the words they use. They know the words and their content of the word, the meaning of the word, the significance of the word. So they use the word which is common to both of them. And they also know that the word is not the thing and the words 
do not actually convey the deep inner feelings. They are feeling it out together. Because they are good friends. They are not opposed to each other. They are not trying to trick each other. They have known each other for long years. And they have often talked about these things. And so they are willing to expose themselves to each other, point out their difficulties, their problems, and each one is trying to understand the other and hoping to help each other. That is really a dialogue. They have established a good relationship between them. The third extract is from Krishnamurti's third talk in Bombay, 1978, titled Don't Get Caught in Words. First of all, we should establish between us the right kind of communication. Not only the verbal communication, because words and language drive us and we very rarely use words with their full significance. So, if I may point out, one has to be very watchful of words. One is caught in words, and words become very significant. But language is meant to be used to communicate. So language shouldn't drive us but we should use language to understand each other. So if I may point out, that when we are communicating as we are this evening, we should be very watchful that the words don't trap us and the words do not limit our perception, our insight. I would like, first of all, if I may point out again, that we are exploring together into the many, into some of the problems which I, which the speaker is going to raise this evening, to explore into a problem very deeply, one must be free from one's motives, 
from one's prejudices, one's fixations and, and conclusions. One must, to investigate the mind, must be extraordinarily free to look. And we're going to try and look and explore together, I mean together, not that the speaker talks and you just listen, but rather sharing, partaking, participating in what we are going to talk about together. First of all, I wonder why you come. It's rather interesting if you go into it and find out for yourself why you're all sitting there and listening to the speaker. He has something very definitely to say, and he would like that you understand what he says completely, totally, utterly. That he would like that you should participate in what he's talking about. And when you are participating, sharing, you must be equally responsible. Also you must be, again point out, you must also be eager, intense to find out. I think love is that state of mind which wants to communicate at the same level, with the same intensity, with the same clarity. And if we have not this quality of affection and eagerness to participate in what we are talking about, to get totally involved, then they remain merely words. They remain merely an intellectual concept, ideas. But we can listen, not merely to the words, but to the to something that's beyond the words, not that nothing mysterious, but not be caught in in verbal linguistic drives. The fourth extract is from the fourth talk in Bombay, 1984, titled In Dialogue, You and I Disappear and Only the Question Remains. So what is free? The sense of inward, authentic, deep sense of unshakable freedom. Not from from something. What is that thing? 
can we together inquire into? Not accept what the speaker is saying, because we went into that. If you accept what the speaker is saying, then you are back again to the old pattern of following an authority. I become, the speaker then becomes your guru, and the speaker abhors all gurus. In the world of, if I can use the, if one can use the word spirit or spiritual, authority is a sin. So, together, let's inquire what is freedom. Probably you never asked that question. We all want to escape from something. And lonely, and most people are very, very lonely. They want to escape from it through various forms of entertainment, religious and otherwise. But is there a freedom which is not a reaction? And to find out that, one has to inquire, what is love? Is love a reaction? Is love attraction, whether it be sexual or otherwise? Please ask these questions of yourself to find out the right answer. How do you find the right answer to a question? I asked the question, the speaker asked the question, you naturally reply to that question, if you are at all thinking, going along with the question then you respond to that question. Then the speaker then answers to your response. This is real dialogue. Answers to your response. Then you respond to my response. Right? I will follow this little bit. So that there is both question and answer, answer and question. If we maintain this answer, question, question, answer, seriously, intensely, then in that process you disappear and the speaker disappears, only the question remains. You understand? 
then that very question has vitality. Don't agree, please. Test it out for yourself. It's like a bud, a rose bud. If the question is left in the air, as it were, then it's like a bud which gradually unfolds and shows its nature, the response, the, the depth of that question, which has its own vitality, energy, drive. That is a dialogue, not just accepting what the other fellows say. The final extract in this episode is from the first discussion at Brockwood Park in 1977, titled A Dialogue with Oneself. I'll have a conversation with myself, dialogue with myself. I realise by listening to this that I don't love. That's a fact. I'm not going to deceive myself. I'm not going to pretend to my wife I love you, or to the woman or girl or boy. Now, first of all, I don't know what love is. I don't know what love is. But I do know that I'm jealous. I do know that I'm terribly attached to her. And in that attachment, there's fear, there's jealousy, there's anxiety. There is sense of dependency. I don't like to depend, but I depend. Because I'm lonely and I'm shoved around by society all over the, in the office, in the factory. And I come home, I want to feel comfort, companionship, escape from myself. So I'm dependent, attached to that person. Now how am I, said, I'm asking myself, how am I to be free of this attachment? Not, not knowing what love is. I won't pretend love of God, love of Jesus, love of Krishna, all that nonsense. Throw it all out. Because I've thrown it all out. So I'm saying, how am I to be free of this attachment? I'm taking that as just an example. First of all, I won't run away from it. Right? I don't know how it's going to end up with my wife. You understand? When I'm really detached from her, my relationship may change to her. She might be attached to me, and I might not be attached to her or to any other woman. <laughs> Please, you understand? It isn't I'm, I'm I want to be detached from her and join other, another woman. And that is silly. So I say to, I mean, I'm having a dialogue with myself. <laughs> so, what shall I do? 
I won't run away from the consequence of being totally free of all attachment. I'm not... I'm going to investigate. I don't know what love is, but I see very clearly, definitely, without any doubt, that attachment to them to that person means fear, anxiety, jealousy, uh, ho- possession, all the rest of it. So I ask myself, how am I to be free of attachment? Not the method. I want to. There is freedom from it. I don't know. I really don't know. So, I begin to inquire. Then I get caught in a system. You understand? You are following this. I get caught in some guru who says, I'll help you to be detached. Do this, this, this. Practice this, this, this. And I, and I want to be free from it. And I accept what the silly man says. Because I, I, want, I see the importance of being free. And he promises me that if I do this, he'll, I'll have a reward. So, I want to be free in order to have a reward. You understand? I am looking for a reward. So I say, how silly I am. Hmm? I want to be free and I get attached to the reward. You are following all this? Ah, good. I think I better have a dialogue all the time with myself. <laughs> so I represent the rest of humanity, and I really mean it. Therefore, when I'm having a dialogue with myself, I'm in tears. You understand? Not like you smiling. I'm, it's a passion for me. So. I don't want to be attached, and yet I find myself getting attached to an idea. You understand? That is, I must be free, and somebody or some book or some something says, "Do this, you will have that." So, I, the the reward becomes my attachment. You follow? So I say, look what I've done. Be careful. Don't get caught in that trap. Whether it's a woman or an idea, it is still attachment. So I'm very watchful now. I've learned something. That is, exchange for one for something else is still an attachment, right? So I'm very watchful. Then I say to myself, how am I, is there a way, or is there, what am I to do to be free of attachment? What is my motive? Do you understand? Why do I want to be free from attachment? 
because it's painful, because I want to achieve a state where there is no attachment, no fear, no etc., etc. What is my motive? Please follow me, because I am representing you. What is my motive in wanting to be free? And I suddenly realise a motive gives a direction, right? And that direction will dictate my freedom. Are you following this? So, why do I have a motive? What is motive? A motive is a movement, a hope, or a, a, to achieve something. So, my mo- the motive is my attachment. I wonder if you are following all this. No, be, do it so as we are talking. The motive has become my attachment. Not only the woman, <laughs> the idea of goal, but my motive. I must have that. So I'm all the time functioning within the field of attachment. Right? The woman, the future, and the motive. To all this I'm attached. So I said, my God, it's a tremendously complex thing. I didn't realise that to be free of attachment implies all this. Right? Now I'm, I see this as clearly as I see uh, on a map the roads, the villages, the side roads, the main road, very clearly. Then I say to myself, now, is it possible for me to be free of my motive, to which I am attached, to be free of, of the woman to, for, who, for whom I have great uh, attachment, and also the reward which I am going to get when I am free? To all this I am attached. Why? Is it that I am insufficient in myself? Is it that I am very, very lonely? Therefore, escape from that feeling of extraordinary sense of isolation, and therefore cling to something – man, woman, idea, motive – follow? Cling, hold on to something. Now, is it I am lonely? I am taking that. Is it I am lonely? Therefore I am escaping from that feeling of extraordinary isolation through attachment of another. 
right? So now I'm not interested in attachment at all. I'm interested in understanding why I'm lonely, which makes me attached. Vous avez compris? I mean, you have understood? You're following me? My dialogue with myself? Which is, I'm lonely. And that loneliness has forced me to escape to, through attachment to this or to that. Now I see, as long as I am lonely, all the sequence, the sequence of this. So I'm, I must investigate why I am lonely. What does it mean? Right? What does it mean to be lonely? How does it come about? Is it instinctual, inbred, heredity, or is it my daily activity that's bringing about this loneliness? You understand? I'm going to I'm going into it. I'm going to have dialogue with myself. Oh Joe. If it is inherited, it if it is an instinct, which I question, because I accept nothing. <laughs> you understand? I accept nothing, because I don't accept his instinct and say, I can't help it. (laughs) If it is hereditary, it's part of my... I'm not to blame. As I don't accept any of these things, so I say, why am I... why is there this loneliness? Now, I question it and remain with the question, not try to find an answer. I wonder if you understand this. Somebody following all this? I have asked myself, why, why does this loneliness, how does it, what is the root of this loneliness? And I, I'm watching, I'm not trying to find an intellectual answer. I'm not trying to tell the loneliness what it should be (laughs) or what it is. I'm watching it for it to tell me. I wonder if you understand this. Uh, Are we going on something together? So I'm watching... There is a watchfulness for the loneliness to reveal itself. It won't reveal if I run away, if I am frightened, if I resist it. So I watch it. I watch it so that no thought interferes. Because this is much more important than thought coming in. Because I'm, my whole energy is concerned with the observation of that loneliness. Therefore, thought doesn't come in at all. You understand? Are you following? 
because I'm being, mind is being challenged, and it must answer. And when you are challenged, it is a crisis. And in a crisis, you have got all the energy. And that energy remains without being interfered with. I wonder if you follow all this. Because this is a challenge which must be answered. Huh? What? No, I. You, I brought it. It has come. You've lost the whole thing. <laughs> Look, I started out having a dialogue with myself. I said, "What is this strange thing called love?" Everybody talks about it, writes about it, romantic poems, <coughs> uh, pictures, and all the rest of it. Sex and oh. Areas of it. And I say, have I got this thing called love? Is there such thing as love? I see love doesn't exist, and there's jealousy, hatred, fear. So I'm not concerned with love anymore, I'm concerned with what is, which is my fear, attachment. And I, why am I attached? I say, well, maybe one of the reasons is, one of the reasons, I don't say that's the whole reason, one of the reasons is I am lonely, desperately isolated. The older I grow, the more isolation. So I watch it. And I follow this as a challenge to find out. Because it is a challenge, I have brought all, all energies, is there to respond. Is that simple, isn't it? When, you are, when there is death in the family, it is a challenge. And there is some catastrophe of an accident or whatever it is, it is a challenge and you have the energy to meet it. You don't say, well, where do I get this energy? Your, when your house is on fire, you have the energy to move. You have extraordinary energy. You don't sit back and say, Well, I must get this energy and wait. <laughs> and your whole house will be burnt then. So, I have this tremendous energy. There is this tremendous energy to answer that question Why is there this loneliness? Because I have rejected other ideas, you follow? Suppositions, theories, uh, I, that it, I have inherited, it is instinct, all that means nothing to me. It is what is. So, why am I lonely? Why is there, not I, why is there this loneliness? Which every human being, if he is at all aware, goes through this. Superficially or most profoundly. And why? How does, no, why does this come into being? Is it the mind is doing something which is bringing it? You understand? 
if I have rejected theories, instinct, inheritance, heritage, I have rejected all that, therefore I am asking, does the mind bring this about? You understand my question, sir? Are you following or getting tired? Is the mind doing this? Isolation, I mean, loneliness means total isolation, right? So I say, is, is the mind, the brain doing this? The bra- mind, which is the movement, partly the movement of thought, is thought doing this? You are following all this? Thought in daily life, is it creating, bringing about this sense of isolation? You, you understand? Which is, in the office, I am isolating myself because I want to be bigger, become the executive, or the pope, or the bishop, or the um, executive, you know. Therefore, it is working all the time, isolating itself. Are you watching this? So I see thought, the mind, is all the time operating to make itself superior, more, if or working itself to this isolation, towards this isolation. Right? Are you working? Huh? Clear? So, now my problem then is, the problem then is, why does thought do this? Is it the nature of thought to work for itself? You understand what I mean? Is it the nature of thought to create this isolation? Does society create this isolation? Does education create this isolation? Right? The education is part of... does bring about this isolation, gives me a certain career, a certain specialization, so it's isolation. You follow? So thought, being fragmentary, because I've found that, I've found that thought, which is the response of the past, as knowledge, experience and memory. So thought is limited, right? Thought is time-binding. So I thought is doing this. So my concern then, why does thought do it? Is it in its very nature to do this? I came here for a Discussion. <laughs> well, sir, I came here for a discussion dialogue. Now I am having a dialogue by myself. <laughs> Too bad. I'll go on. Uh, 
because this very follow is look what it is leading me up to leading so we come to the point now that why does thought being fragment a fragment why does it bring about this isolation if it does i have found it does in my conversation with myself because thought is limited thought is time binding therefore whatever it does must be limited and in that limitation it has found security it has found security in saying i have a special career in my life it has found security in saying i'm i'm a professor there i'm perfectly safe for after seven years tenure, you get a tenure and there you are stuck for the rest of your life and a great security both psychological as well as factual so thought is doing this now my question the problem then is can thought realize please listen but can thought realize that it is limited and therefore you know the moment it learn it it understands that it whatever it does is limited and therefore fragmentary and therefore isolating whatever it does <coughs> will be the, the this therefore can thought please having i'm dialogue this very important point can thought realize its own limitation or does thought say to itself i'm limited you understand the difference are you all asleep uh, thought being me does me, i say thought is limited and therefore says i'm limited or thought itself realizes i'm limited two things are entirely different one is an imposition and therefore conflict whereas when thought itself says i'm limited it won't act it won't move away from that limitation you this please this is very important to understand because this is the real essence of this thing <coughs> we are imposing on thought what it should do thought has created the we the me and thought and the me has separated itself from thought and says i will dictate tell what thought should do but if thought realizes itself that it is limited then there is no resistance no conflict it says i am that i am blue <laughs> so does thought in my dialogue with myself i'm asking does thought realize this itself or am i telling it that is limited
If I am telling that it's limited, then I become separate from the limitation. Then I struggle to overcome the limitation. Therefore there is conflict, which is violence, which is not love. You so does thought realize itself that is limited? I have to find out. I must, it must be there must I'm being challenged because I've got energy now. Because when I'm challenged I'm I must I've got all energy. Does consciousness put it differently? Does consciousness realize its content? Does consciousness realize its content is itself? Or I have heard another say consciousness is its content, its content makes up consciousness. Therefore, see yes, it is so. You follow? Or does consciousness, my con- this consciousness, realize its content, and therefore this very content is the totality of my consciousness? Right? Do you see the difference of the two? The one imposed by me, the me created by thought, then if I impose something on thought, then the, there's conflict. Right? It's like a tyrannical government imposing on some. But the government is what I've created. <laughs> so, we're asking Has thought realized its own littleness, its own pettiness, its own limitation? Or is it pretending to be something extraordinary? Noble, you know, all the rest of it. Divine, which is nonsense because thought is memory, experience, remembrance. So, I must, in my dialogue, I, there must be very, there must be clarity about this point that I, there is no out, outside influence imposing on thought, say it is limited. So I thought then, because there is no imposition, you understand, there is no conflict, therefore it realizes it is limited. Therefore, whatever it does, its worship of God, its worship of Jesus, its worship is limited, shoddy, pity. Though it has created marvelous cathedrals through in Europe and here. So, I have found there has been in my conversation with myself, there is a discovery that loneliness is created by thought. And thought has now realized itself that it's limited. So, it cannot solve the problem of loneliness. 
Jung's then, as it cannot solve the problem of loneliness, does loneliness exist? You understand my question? Thought has made me made this sense of loneliness, right? And thought realizes that it's limited, and because it is limited, fragmentary, divided, it has created this this emptiness, loneliness. Therefore, when it realizes that loneliness is not, I wonder if you see this, right? So, I am therefore there is freedom from attachment. I have done nothing. You understand? I have watched it. The attachment, what is implied in attachment, greed, fear, loneliness, all that, and by tracing it, looking, observing it. Not analyzing, examining, but just looking, 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 and I did. There is a discovery that thought has done all this, right? Thought has, because because it is fragmentary, has created this attachment. So, when it realizes, attachment ceases. I wonder if you see this. Uh, there is no effort made at all. But the moment I'm, there's an effort, it's back again. You understand? So, uh, so we have we have said love. If there is love, <coughs> there is no attachment. If I, there is attachment, there is no love. So I've rem- removed. There's been the removal of major factor in negation. Of what it's not, which is love is not attachment. You know what it means in your daily life. No remembrance of anything, my your, my wife, my girlfriend, or my neighbor told me. No remembrance of any hurt. No image. About her, because I am attached to the image, not to her. I am attached to the image thought has created about her. She has hurt me. She has bullied me. She has given me comfort. She, I am nice. I have had a pleasant time sexually. This, that, ten different things, which are all the movement of thought, which has created the image, and it is the image I am attached to. Attachment is gone, but there are other factors: fear, pleasure, comfort in that person or in that idea. So, now must I go through all this step by one by one, or all over? You understand my question? Must I go through, must I investigate as I have investigated attachment, fear, 
must I investigate the desire for comfort? Must, must I observe why I seek comfort? Is it because I am insufficient? I, I want comfort. I want a comfortable chair, therefore I want a comfortable woman. Or a man, or whatever it is. A comfortable idea. I think most of us do have a comfortable, secure idea which can never be shaken and to which I am deadly attached. And so anybody that says nonsense to that, I get angry, I get jealous, I get upset because he's shaking my house. So I, so I say, I do not have my... I don't have to go through all the investigation of all these various factors. I see it at one glance. I've captured it. You understand now? So, through negation of what is not love, the other thing is, I don't have to ask what is love. I don't have to run after it. If I run after it, it's not love. It's a reward. So I've ended by, in that inquiry, slowly, carefully, without distortion, without illusion, I've negated everything that's not. The other is, now I've had a good dialogue with myself. <laughs>